0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thirteen, and happy Friday the 13th. We want to start by thanking our new patrons, Jordan Sutliff, Connor McDonald, L Woolery, Beth Bogart, and Rick Linville. We couldn't do this without y'all. Patrons get access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord, where you can chat with us about the show or whatever else is on your mind. We're still sharing spooky photos around our cities, Halloween costumes, and which cheeses pair best with which Halloween candy. If you have a strong feeling about which wine goes with Reese's Pieces, sign up, join the Discord, and let us know. You'll also have access to bloopers, behind-the-scenes audio, and weekly updates on the show. Stickers, t-shirts, and coffee mugs, too. One new patron will get a copy of the script we use for this episode. These scripts get marked up in editing and post-production, and it's a really good insight into the process. Sign up to support the show at patreon.com forward slash 13pod. Writers, we're accepting submissions for stories to air on 13. If you'd like to get paid for your work and have several thousand people hear your stories, send them to us at info at 13podcast.com. This month, we want to recommend the ghost story, guys. Somewhere on the border of sleep, there's a little mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. From there, storytellers Brennan Store and Ian Gibbs explore the dark corners of the world. True stories of the paranormal with plenty of humor, humanity, and a touch of skepticism. Paranormal discussion in all its complexity... The stories will scare you, but they'll also explore the emotions that inform our experience of the supernatural. The Ghost Story Guys are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Check them out. And now, on with the show. I went to my first Codependence Anonymous meeting this year. CODA for short. My therapist suggested it. She said it'd be a great chance for me to find people that I could relate to and who would understand what I was dealing with. And she was right. I've always been an all-or-nothing person. Always too much or too little. Never just right. And I've always been... a little clingy. It was never a problem. Not really. Until it was. I was raised by my grandmother. My parents were out of the picture. It's interesting how people at the end of their lives... and people who are just getting started can sometimes have more in common with each other than the people in the middle. She and I were really close. And even though I let things get to me, I let myself get too wrapped up in other people, she was there to center me and keep me grounded, to keep those unhealthy thoughts at bay. Granny got sick a couple years ago. At the time, I was with this guy named Liam. I'd noticed for a while that things were different between us. It felt like we were drifting apart. But when Granny got sick, Liam changed. Suddenly, the caring, attentive man I'd known when we started dating was back. I thought that seeing Granny deteriorate getting worse and worse every day. Maybe it was a moment of clarity for him. Sometimes life comes into focus and you remember that we're not infinite. There's an end and you don't get to go back and revise the past. Maybe he was realizing that what we had was worth putting in the work. I guess we all get lazy sometimes. We get comfortable, complacent. And even though my heart was breaking for Granny, it felt good to have him back. But when Granny died, it was less than a week later that he broke it off with me. He said it felt cruel to do it while she was dying, that I had enough going on, like he deserved a goddamn thank you from me. And when I didn't appreciate his gesture, he turned awful, hateful, yelling and screaming about how much time he wasted while he could have been free, like a goddamn baby. And just like that, the two most important people in my life were gone. I think maybe I'm chasing that feeling all the time now. When I used to feel secure, I felt like I had a place. I wanted to feel like I belonged again. And that meant I needed to find someone, and I needed them to love me. I didn't have time for it to develop naturally. I needed it now. It was an aching in my body. I craved that intimacy that I'd had with Liam. And with Granny. I've always had that desire to be needed. To be loved. To be known completely. Everyone that had been there to help me control it was gone. And I try to force it when it doesn't fit. Or maybe a better way to say it. Is I try to make something too real before it's ready to be in the weeks and months after Liam left me I was in a fog of loneliness and grief and I was aching for a connection so I did some manipulative self-destructive things to get it in the midst of all this I started noticing things I still lived in Granny's house, all by myself now. Granny had been into what some people might call witchcraft, but she just called it spiritualism. She taught me about the importance of coming across a feather in the woods and what the color of it meant, the kind of magic that it could hold. She taught me about burying ashes under the porch Covering the windows when somebody died. Leaving jars with notes and photos in the creek. Positioning the mirrors in your bedroom just right so that no part of your bed was visible in a reflection. Never sleeping with an empty chair in the room. When I was a kid, these were fun little rituals. Things that Granny and I did together. When I got older... I paid it less and less mine. She was from a different generation. The part of the world where I'm from didn't have running water or much in the way of formal education when Granny was young. A lot of people her age hold on to these beliefs. No different than any other religion, I suppose. It's a way to make sense of the world and to maintain a feeling of control Despite the unrelenting march of time and age I think more than anything though Granny loved to make me smile And loved to bond And that's how I remember those days by the creek It's not the jars in the water It's time with her That I'd give anything to have back Now that she was gone, I came home to find things out of place. Photos on the wall turned upside down or out of their frame. Mirrors that were just fine when I left for work were cracked when I got home. Holes under the porch where ashes had been buried. I thought it was Liam fucking with me. Being horrible. Being the psychopath that he turned out to be. But when I confronted him, he denied it. And our friends, the ones that hadn't chose his side during the breakup, they said it couldn't have been him. He'd been at work or out of town, otherwise occupied when most of it happened. My great aunt, Granny's sister, she came by and saw the mess. She saw the broken glass inside, the holes under the porch. She said it was probably Granny's unfinished work, giving up, since now there wasn't any spirit left to guide them. On a hunch, I went down to the creek. I still wasn't convinced that it wasn't Liam. I'd never taken him to the jars in the creek. He knew about them, but there's no way he'd be able to find them on his own. If they were still intact, then it wasn't Granny's spirit giving up. There were fallen leaves, slippery under my feet, an autumn chill in the air after the rain the night before, an overcast morning. I found the broken glass in the water The photos and names having long since sailed quietly and gently downstream. Lost for good. The last little bit of her. I didn't know what to do with myself. Some people might disappear for a while. Isolate and work through their grief. Not me. I disappear into other people. Shitty relationship, after smothering friendship, after oversharing to coworkers, and on and on and on. And then, finally, when I'd alienated almost every person in my life, someone convinced me to go to a therapist. And then that therapist referred me to CODA. Codependence Anonymous. I think CODA really helped me mourn Granny for the first time. I learned how to let myself feel it instead of trying to smother it in other people. And that feeling it was important. I also spent some time looking around the room at one person in particular. Max, short for Maxine. And I think I caught her looking at me too. I know what you're thinking. This is a Codependence Anonymous meeting. Don't go latching on to someone there. And believe me, I had the same thought. And so did Max. It's not a conscious thought, you know. It's not a plan. It's not manipulative, at least not at first. It starts out like a feeling, a crush, a warmth in your chest. It only becomes manipulative later. In the beginning, in the beginning it's pure. But the reason I spotted Max is that people who grew up like we did, we can recognize each other. Max's mom was spiritual too, the way Granny was. We didn't come out and talk about it at first, but you can just kind of tell. But like I said, we met at Codependence Anonymous. This was going to be tricky. So we took it slow. Slow being a relative term for us, but definitely slower than what we were used to. And I don't just mean physically. Attachment was our vice, and we were very careful. We made rules no staying over right away, and if we did, we had to go home in the morning. No sticking around unless there was a plan for that day. Something that we were going to be doing. In rule number two, we'd be honest. Really honest. Unflinchingly honest. No games. No passive aggression. Just real, direct openness. But, even though we were being totally honest with each other... I didn't tell her I had a ribbon tied for her in my dresser, like Granny used to. I didn't really believe in it, but it was supposed to bind us together, me and Max. It was more of a ritual, a comforting routine. That's what I told myself. As things started to get serious with Max, something else happened. Liam. He started messaging me and texting me. I blocked him whenever he came up on an app. He tried them all. And then, one night, when I'm waiting for Max to come over, there's a knock on the door. And when I go to answer it, it's him. How did he find me? I moved to a new town. We had friends in common, but they wouldn't give him my address. This cannot happen now, not with Max on our way over. I told him that we were finished, that he'd made that perfectly clear two years ago. And that's when I saw Max's car pull into the parking lot. It was just a short walk from her car and up the stairs to my apartment. I turned back to him. I told him he needed to go. God damn it, this can't be happening now. And then... Everything okay up here? I was mortified. Max looked puzzled. And Liam... Looked angry and embarrassed and defeated all at once. Max looked at me, concerned. I gave her a look that said, It's fine, I'll explain later. Liam made his way down the stairs, past Max, around the corner, and out of sight. I hadn't really told her about Liam or any of my exes for that matter. She knew he existed, but she didn't know how it ended with us. So I told her everything. I told her that he'd been trying to get in touch. I showed her my phone so she could see I'd blocked him on everything. That's why he showed up. She didn't need to see my phone. She stopped me. She pulled me in close. The light getting low in the sky. The lights in the parking lot clicking on. Just me and her. What do you need from me? This is perfect. I don't think he'll be back. The next morning, Max left for work. Things were going well. They were going really, really well. I went into work that night, but the restaurant was slow. When I got home, I was so tired. After a shower, I laid down on the couch. It was late, and Max was staying at her place tonight. It's funny how in most relationships, one person's place becomes the one where you spend the most time. And in our relationship, that was definitely my apartment. I told her that I was home, and I sent a sleepy selfie from the couch. She wrote back with hard eyes. Then another message came in.
1: Hey, can I ask you something? Total honesty pledge. Yeah, of course. Okay. I know I'm just being, you know. But my feet were cold, and I got into your sock drawer. Oh, no. And I saw the ribbon. I was mortified.
0: I don't even know why. I tied a ribbon for her, just like Granny showed me. Anyone else would have overlooked it, but Max would have known what it meant. She would have known that it was to bind her to me. Did it freak her out? I guess it was kind
1: of clingy. I know this is dumb, but was that for me, or was it for him? I wouldn't ask, except that he came back, so... God, I sound so stupid. No, 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 no. It's only for you. I'm so sorry. I hate myself for asking. You just... You know how it is. My mind gets away from me. No, I'm glad you did. Oh my God, I hate that you thought it was for anyone else. Do you want me to take it apart? No, no. I know that it's comforting to have something to hold on to. But just so you know, you don't need it. I'm all yours. I blushed.
0: I looked at my phone to see a photo from Max. It was a picture of herself in the mirror. Holding a ribbon she'd tied just for me. We went on flirting like this for a while, until at some point, Max stopped responding. She'd fallen asleep. I woke up the next morning with an apology from Max for falling asleep. She also said that she was going to be working late that night. There was some company event she'd forgot to tell me about. Max said she needed some photos of me to put on her mirror. She had access to tons of them on my socials and her messages, but it was a sweet thought. I asked which ones were her favorite and she insisted I pick. She wanted me to choose how she sees me in the morning and before bed. I chose a photo and got it printed out at the photo kiosk in the pharmacy by work. I also went one step further I dug an old compact out of my bathroom drawer, mostly empty, just dust really, and a mirror. I looked deep into my reflection and I thought of her. The emotion should be captured in the glass. And then I cut a few strands of my hair and I closed them up in the compact. And whenever she wanted to, she would be able to look into that mirror and activate that energy and feel it. I'd never really tried anything like this. I didn't really believe it would work. If anything, she would see the mirror and see a little piece of me, and she'd know what it meant. And that was enough. Max told me she'd have to go out of town for work. It was a four day conference. I was sad, but it was okay. I'd get by. And besides, she was only a couple of hours away, just over the state line. That made me feel better than if she was across the country. I picked up a couple extra shifts to keep busy and to make a little extra money. I also went back to my first CODA meeting in a long time. It was good to recenter myself a little bit. Max and I messaged each other all day, but it was sparse. She was tied up with conference work. I could feel a twinge of anxiety... Thinking about her meeting new and interesting people Far away from home Where there wouldn't be any consequences No one to recognize her I forced myself to push the thought away But I probably sent a few too many messages that first day A few minutes before nine She wrote me saying that she was done for the night Back in her hotel room Relaxing on the bed I smiled, and just like that, it felt back to normal. I asked her if she had a room to herself. She sent back an over the shoulder selfie showing a roommate, a woman about twice our age, reading on the next bed. They've got us doubled up, she wrote. Sorry. I deflated a bit. Maybe you can check into your own room one night, I said, trying to be flirty. Only if you drive up to see me, she wrote back. I started making plans. The next night I was at work, my phone was in my back pocket, and I could feel it buzzing. And it just kept going. It was a lot. As soon as I had a chance, I stepped away to see what all the notifications were. It was everything my text, my social media, other messaging apps, all of them had notifications. There were some numbers I didn't even recognize, and then there were friends from back home, there were voicemails. They all said some version of the same thing. Liam was missing. I paced around in the back of the restaurant for a while, reading the articles on my phone. Messages kept coming in. I told my boss what was going on, and I asked if I could leave. She said yes. Back home, I just kept reading, but all the articles said the same things. Liam had been missing since yesterday afternoon. He never made it home from work. His roommates couldn't reach him. There was no sign of his car. No activity online or in his bank account. Max tried to be as supportive as she could from two hours away. As night fell. I knew I was too wired to get a good night's rest. But somewhere, long after midnight, I closed my eyes and finally fell asleep. I woke up late and I spent the first bit of the morning scrolling through my phone. Max asked how I was doing and I told her I was okay. I didn't have feelings for him anymore. And that's true. I don't have feelings for him anymore. But there was a strange feeling to it all. Someone I'd spent so much time with. Who, at one time, I thought might be the person I'd spend the rest of my life with.
1: You can't help but feel something. Uh, Is there anything I can do? I
0: wanted to write back... Come home, come here, and please hold me. But I didn't. I knew she couldn't. I went to work for the evening shift, but got sent home early. I needed a new job. I planned to look around when I got home. Maybe it's finally time to transition to something stable. I pulled into the parking lot and walked up the breezeway. I got to the third floor landing and then, by my front door, sitting cross-legged on the ground, there was Max. My Maxine. She came home to me.
1: What are you doing here? I know when my girl needs me. What about the conference? I'll need to drive back tonight, but I had to come see you. We went inside
0: and I poured out everything I'd been feeling. How, even though it had nothing to do with me, it felt scary. Just knowing someone who disappeared without a trace like that.
1: So, I know we've never really talked about it, but... She paused for a long time. What if we tried to find him with, you know? I didn't know.
0: It took a minute to catch up to her. You mean magic? Well, it's not magic.
1: I thought about it for a long time. It's okay if you don't. It was a dumb thing to ask. How would that work? Do you still have anything of his? No. I don't think so. Well, if we could get something of his... Never mind. I'm sorry. This is silly. No, it's not. It's just... I don't know if I want to
0: find out what happened to him... Max stayed for a couple hours before she had to drive back to the conference. I was so glad that she came to see me, but there was a nagging thought in the back of my mind. What if she drove all the way back here just to see if I was hanging out with someone else? I know exactly how I would twist it around in my head to make myself believe that it wasn't jealousy. I pushed the thought from my mind. We both had a history of unhealthy attachment. But we were both doing better. I have to believe that we can change. And if anyone can do this, it's me and Max. I caught myself dozing off while I was waiting for her to let me know she'd made it back to the hotel. There was an eerie feeling that had been bubbling up around the edges all day. Max coming by had pushed it away for a while. But now that I was alone in my apartment, late at night, it was creeping back in. I thought about Liam at my door a couple weeks ago. And as I did, I felt a strange presence. Not in the apartment with me, but as if I could sense someone outside. On the landing. Just on the other side of my door. The lights were off in the living room. It was only lit by the residual light from the bathroom and bedroom. I made myself go to the door and look through the peephole. No one there. I cracked the door and then opened it the rest of the way. Moths and other little flying bugs circled the safety lights in the breezeway. Nothing out of the ordinary, but... It still felt off. Even with the lights, it felt like the darkness was encroaching somehow. It had to be my imagination. I went back in and laid down. I tried to sleep, but my mind was racing. I got up again to check that I'd locked the door. I thought about Max bringing up magic earlier. I don't know why, but it was giving me the creeps. I got up again. This time, I went to the closet and I pulled out a box. It was labeled Granny. Inside, there were a few of her things that I'd kept after moving away. One of them was a protection candle. I don't think I really needed the protection. I think I just wanted to go through the motions, to feel close to Granny again. I turned out every other light in the apartment and I lit the candle. I sat in its light for a long time, allowing myself to absorb its energy. Sometime after one in the morning, I turned on the lights, and I blew out the candle. I checked the door one more time. It was locked. I didn't feel less on edge. I was just a lot more tired. Just before I laid down, I noticed something in the corner. The chair by my desk. It was empty. I never go to sleep with an empty chair in the room. Granny never told me exactly why you're not supposed to go to bed with an empty chair in the room, but my imagination filled in the gaps. I grabbed a dirty shirt from the clothes hamper and I tossed it on the chair. And then I crawled back in bed and finally fell asleep. That night, I dreamt I was sitting up on my bed. All the lights were off. My bedroom was lit by Granny's protection candle, sitting just across the room. But just outside my bedroom door, it was total darkness. In that darkness, there was something lurking know what it was but I could feel it out there I saw the light from the candle dimming in a panic I tried to will it to stay lit but the light faded as the flame shrank away and across the room in the chair by my desk Granny was sitting there Watching me She wasn't happy to see me She wasn't angry She was indifferent As though only mildly interested in what was playing out in front of her She just sat still Watching me I watched her too As she looked around the room, almost bored. The shadows creeping out from the walls. Granny's shadow sitting in the chair. It grew longer. She looked at me again. We met eyes only for a brief moment before the candle went dark. I became aware of the light from the bathroom filtering into my bedroom. The feeling of air from my ceiling fan I finally opened my eyes. I looked out into the living room, toward the sliver of light from the cracked bathroom door. The sun wouldn't be coming up for another hour. Usually dreams have a way of fading and losing meaning quickly. But the look on Granny's face, not angry, Not sad. It was longing, I think. It stuck with me. I wished I'd asked Max to stay, to wake up early and drive back, to stay the night, and to hold me while we slept. I needed someone here. And it wasn't just about being alone that kept me from falling back to sleep. The shirt that I'd tossed on the chair before going to bed. The chair where Granny sat in my dream. It had fallen off in the night and it was laying on the bedroom floor. The next day, There was a break in Liam's missing person case, and it wasn't good. Messages came pouring in again. Links to articles and links to a video. Police had found Liam's body at a gas station about halfway between my new city and my hometown. There was a sinking feeling in my chest. I felt a deep, deep sadness wash over me. We'd spent so much time together, years together, and now all that anger I felt when he left me and that I'd held on to for all those years it fell away. It's not that I regret the way I felt about it. He deserved it. But I think you can dislike someone and still feel pity for them. There was a video. People kept sending me links to it. I wasn't sure that I wanted to watch it. But I guess my need to know won out. I hit the link. It was a gas station surveillance camera. Decent quality video. It was nighttime. The camera seems to be mounted on the side of the building and it looks out towards the pumps. I looked at the video length. Two and a half minutes. After a few seconds, A familiar car rolls into frame. It's moving slow. It passes through the pumps and rolls out of frame. The video switches to another camera, this one pointing to a little side lot. It's empty except for him. He comes to a stop in a parking spot. And then, he just sits there for a few seconds. There's no movement. Then he backs out. He turns the car around as though to leave, but then he backs up into the same parking spot so that the front of the car is facing out. Then there was nothing again, no movement looked hard at the driver's side window but I couldn't see in then I saw a hint of movement toward the back of the car a moment later the driver's side door opened Liam stepped out I felt something in my chest when I saw him he closed his door and walked to the back of the car and lifted the trunk. I squinted up close to my screen. I expected to see him pull something out from the trunk or I don't know what. From this angle, I couldn't see inside. But then my breath got caught in my chest and all the hairs on my body stood on end. Liam climbed in the trunk and closed himself inside. Liam was found in the trunk of the car after gas station employees noticed that it hadn't moved all day. When they checked the footage to see whose car it was, they immediately called the police. Investigators had determined that he left the car running when he got in the trunk, and once inside, he succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning. Over the course of the night, the car ran out of gas, and by morning, the battery had gone dead. Extended footage from the surveillance cameras showed the car's headlights slowly dimming over the hours until they were completely gone by morning. I felt like I was having a panic attack. I couldn't catch my breath. I tried calling Max, but she didn't pick up. I got myself together and I sat on the couch, adrenaline still working itself out of my system. I knew what this was. I'd never seen it before, but I'd heard of things like this. Whispers between Granny and my great-aunts when they thought I couldn't hear them. It was a spell.
1: A hex. It had to be. I saw the ribbon. I know this is dumb, but was that for me, or was it for him?
0: I tried to force that thought away. Max wouldn't do something like that. Liam was already acting strange. He came to find me after two years. It was tragic, and it was strange. It was a bizarre suicide, but it made the most sense. I got that feeling again, that there was a presence in the apartment with me. It was somehow worse now that it was happening in broad daylight. At night, I could write it off as the darkness playing tricks on my mind. I scoured the apartment, looking everywhere for something, anything, that could explain the presence. I took my whole place apart, and when I was done, I found nothing. And I felt like an idiot. Was I really blaming this on witchcraft? Someone I used to love had died. I was looking for an explanation in the chaos. A meaning for it all. But there just wasn't one. Life isn't that tidy. And I may never know why Liam did what he did. I looked at my phone to see if Max had called back. She hadn't. I was starting to feel more calm. After taking my place apart and putting it back together, I was worn out. I needed a nap. I started toward my bed. I passed my desk in my mirror where I get ready in the morning. It's angled away from my bed. Granny taught me to never go to sleep in a mirror's reflection. But something caught my eyes. as I walked past. The compact. The mirror I gave Max. It was on the dresser. She must have left it here. I smiled when I remembered that night. She asked for a photo to hang on her mirror and I gave her one. I gave her that compact too, but I put a spell on it first. I looked into its glass, and I thought of her. I let it absorb my love for her so she could feel it whenever she looked into the glass. I gave her a lock of my hair to activate it, but something was wrong the compact it wasn't on the desk it was only in the mirror i backed out of the room it couldn't be true max was watching me i had to get out of this apartment i got in my car and i drove Not knowing where I was going. When I got my bearings, I knew what I had to do. I needed to go to Max's house. I needed to get my mirror back. I needed to figure out how to separate myself from her. What the fuck have I gotten myself into? I pulled up down the street from Max's house, and I looked for any sign that she might be there. Nothing. Her car was gone. The blinds and the curtains were all shut. I knew there was a -a hide-a-key by the back door. The trick to sneaking into someone's place and not drawing the neighbor's attention isn't to sneak around and avoid being seen. It's to walk right up to the place with so much confidence that anyone who sees you assumes that you ought to be there. And that's just what I did. I walked right down the driveway and onto the back porch. I found the key and hesitated for only a moment before turning it, sliding the door open and stepping inside. My pulse was absolutely pounding in my temples. I listened for any sign that she might be there. Nothing. I remember the photo she sent me of the ribbon she'd tied for us, binding us together, just like the ribbon I'd tied for her. I crept to her bedroom. I didn't see anything in plain sight, but it wouldn't be. I needed to move fast. I needed to find my mirror. I started opening up drawers in the bedroom and bathroom. I went through the cabinets in the kitchen. Nothing. Did she take it with her? She must have. I looked under the bed and I found a wooden box. I don't know how I knew. I just knew that this was it. My heart started pounding again. I opened it and it was worse than I thought. There were two jars inside. Jars just like the ones that Granny used to put in the creek. There was a note inside, some dirt, and a photo. A photo of Liam. It was Max. I started to panic. Did she know I was here? Or was she just calling back? Hey! How's your day?
1: Hey, what you doing?
0: Hey, um, nothing. What are you doing?
1: Are you okay? You sound like something's wrong.
0: That's when I saw it. In the mirror across the room, laying on the dresser. My compact, open and facing me. But only in the mirror.
1: You shouldn't be there. Why don't you let me explain?
0: There was something about her voice. It was like she was a stranger. Like someone I didn't even recognize. I hung up the phone. My compact mirror was with Max and I wasn't gonna get that back. I grabbed my photo and my lock of hair so she couldn't use that against me. One thing I knew about this kind of magic, she couldn't just find something to use against me. It had to be given freely. Hopefully, its power would be broken if I took it back. I drove home And the first thing I did was run around the apartment and cover all the mirrors. Just like they were covered at Granny's house. I would played around with little love spells. Tying a ribbon. But Max... Max was into some deep, dark shit. Whatever she'd done with Liam's photo and hair, I don't even want to think about how she got him to give those to her. God she really did this to him and now she knows that I know I couldn't stay here I would never be safe here not just this apartment this town I grabbed a bag and threw all the clothes that would fit inside it I didn't have enough money to start over somewhere i just have to figure something out. It was getting dark as I loaded my car. I ran back into the apartment. There was one last thing I needed to do. I opened my drawer and I pulled out the ribbon I'd tied for Max. I hesitated for just a moment. I glanced toward the bed where we used to lay for hours, holding each other tight. The language of facial expressions and touch. The grazing of lips across lips. I was heartbroken on top of it all. My spirit sank as I saw what was in store for me. The loneliness, the regret, The overanalyzing the self blame when I would somehow make all of this my fault starting over did I have it in me to start over again it had been about two hours since I stepped into Max's house if she wanted to drive back and find me She'd be arriving any minute. I pulled the ribbon apart, undoing the knot. The bind was broken. I got to the interstate and I pointed my car north. As I drove, I turned the mirrors away from me. Both the driver and passenger side mirrors were pointing outwards, and they were useless. I turned the rearview mirror up toward the ceiling, so she couldn't see me. But that didn't mean that I couldn't feel her. I knew she was trying to find me. I could tell that she was close, because I could feel her influence. It'll fade the further I get from her. I just need to keep driving. How could I tell she was close? Because of the signs on the highway. Speed limit signs, directional signs, town names and distances. No matter what they were supposed to say, they'd all become messages to me.
1: Don't run away from me. No one's going to love you the way I do. We belong together. I just needed
0: to keep driving north. Max hates the cold. Maybe she wouldn't follow me. I just needed to give her enough time to find someone new. Up ahead... A sign that should have told me how far it was to Cincinnati. White on reflective green. Angela, come home. for joining us for this episode of 13 if you like what you heard stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts this has been a feather in the woods written and narrated by me bridget howard editing and sound design by liz walker music by kayla britchie with assistance from brooke jeanette and ian epperson our patreon partners get access to an exclusive discord channel to chat with the creators merch bloopers and behind the scenes content and weekly updates on the show patrons to any of our shows get rewards for all of them including olive hill we're on social media facebook twitter and instagram it's some version of 13 pod or pod 13 just look for the logo we'll have links in the show notes And remember to listen to the Ghost Story Guys. We'll have a link for them in the notes, too. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show, or if you need to contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You can also find that in the show notes. Bridget Howard is just stopping by to check in. No reason. Just to make sure you're okay. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next month.